This is The Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral.com. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, Internet World, West Alabama. How are we doing out there in Internet land? This is the Joe Gaither Show, and you're watching us on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. Of course, I am Joe Gaither. You are the listener, the viewer. We appreciate you so, so much. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Amazon. We're hanging out with you at Joe Gaither 6 on all your social media machines. You can find me right there at Joe Gaither 6 on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Snapchat, wherever you want to connect with me. You can send me your comments, questions, queries, and complaints to Joe Gaither 6. And we appreciate everybody who's watching us and subscribe to us on the Bama Central Broadcasting Network along with our friends Blue Collar Unplugged. Let's have a win. let's have a fun day. Let's have a Wednesday, and let's do so by bringing in my friend Mason Woods. My friend Mason Woods, you can read him on BamaCentral.com, on MizzouCentral.com, on Cowbell Corner. Make sure you follow him at ma Woods underscore. We're gonna have a lot of fun talking. A lot of random things. We're going to talk a little bit of Tennessee. We're going to follow up on Tennessee. We'll follow. We'll, we'll hit on a little Auburn scandal. Alabama plays a huge, huge basketball game this afternoon. Yeah, it's not Alabama-Georgia football, but it is just as big. In my book, at least, Alabama got a huge win from South Carolina last night. And then we're just going to see what else the program has for us. We talked about a little senior bowl on just a minute today for for Bama Central. And Kaitlin DeBoer met with the media for about eight to ten minutes. We just listened to that, Mason and myself, before going live. So we'll touch on whatever we get into right there on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. Mason, what's good, man? Great to see you. I love the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I figured we were going to be talking some Bama hoops today, so I got to get, get in line with it. Yeah, I, I, I like was... your background as well. It looks like you've got a very nice home behind you. I, uh, I didn't realize that you moved. I moved uh, into Kalen DeBoer's new home, actually. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm recording from his basement. He's out recruiting. He's out in Mobile uh, at the Senior Bowl, so he told me he, I could use the space today. Uh, but, you, you know, Coleman Coliseum's empty. Alabama's playing in uh, Stegman in Athens today, so you got the place all to yourself. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, you know, some would say that it's a bit abstract in here. I enjoy it personally, but that's, you know, teach their own. Well, Mason, I'm going to get you to start with where we started yesterday. Yesterday, we started with Tennessee and their newest scandal with the NCAA, newest investigation with the NCAA. And I played both sides of the fence because on one hand, of course, I love to get after Tennessee. It's a lot of fun to make fun of our of Alabama's rivals up, up in Knoxville. But on the other hand, the NCAA is, sounds like it's talking out of its rear end. And after we went off the air yesterday, it had kind of come out that the real crux of this issue, the real reason for this investigation right now is Nico Amaleva. Amaleva? 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 However you want to say that. Uh, he apparently got himself a flight. He's a California boy. Got himself a flight from California to Knoxville during the recruitment process of which this Spire company paid for. It was not paid for by the Tennessee folks. It was not paid for by Nico and his family. And thus, a big old slap on the wrist. Uh, what in the world? Is, is, is the NCAA just grasping at straws? Are we in the perfect position just to sit back and watch the NCAA and the University of Tennessee hurl turds at each other? What was your make on uh, one year later after the Jeremy Pruitt scandal, after the Jeremy Pruitt ruling Tennessee back in the spotlight, back in the, uh, back in the target of the NCAA? Yeah, um, I think very similar to you. And, uh, you know, it puts me in a bit of a tough spot because I do love to kind of hate on the volunteers. And, uh, you know, I, I like to celebrate when bad things come to Tennessee. I don't think I'm alone in that. But yeah, I, I don't think it's also crazy to think that this is kind of just the NCAA deciding to pick on poor Tennessee. You know, you, you have the Jeremy Pruitt thing come out, and, you know, it is done and handled at this point. We you, Jeremy Pruitt is banished to the depths of the football world. And now a year later they want to, you know, 
ruffle some more feathers about what really seems to be not that big of an issue, if I'm being totally honest, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I saw the word retroactive or the, the phrase retroactive punishment today a lot, reading through some various things about this situation. And I, and I think that's a fair assessment. It seems, uh, it really seems like the NCAA kind of just picked out of a hat and said, oh, sorry, Tennessee, you're the one that we're going to pick on today. Well, it's very similar to the recent Florida State case. Florida State is was recently punished. A coach was suspended for a handful of games because a coach drove a recruit, drove a Marius Mims, who is now at Georgia, drove a recruit from their recruiting visit to a meeting with an NIL booster to basically outline the Florida State NIL package. And, and really, I know the rules say the coaches aren't allowed to be involved in NIL, but what world are we living in? I mean, you when you when you go on a recruiting visit, which I have gone on none, I have gone on none, no recruiting visits, but I know about them to to a certain extent. You're basically on the timetable, on the schedule of the university and of that athletic program. Let's say you're going to visit Alabama for a football visit, you are on Ellis Ponder's schedule. You're on the Alabama football schedule, and at 8 a.m. we go to breakfast, and at 12 to 12 p.m. we go to lunch, and at 6 p.m. we go to dinner. There are active scheduled every minute of the day you go visit with the academic calendars at night or academic uh, advisors at nine you go see the ac- athletic dorms at, at at 11 like everything is scheduled out and so for them to make any time for nil from the florida state perspective like this is just a part of the visit it's wild to me. It's wild to me that the NCAA is saying, oh, you got turned in. Some Georgia Tech coach basically told on Florida State, you got turned in. We're coming after you for this minor thing of you drove a recruit probably a half a mile uh, from the athletic facility to wherever this meeting occurred. And boom, Florida State's in trouble. Okay, we basically got go fast forward with Tennessee. You're already in bed with Tennessee, Nico Iamalava. We know you're coming here. We've got this uh, basically NIL deal outlined at $8 million. What's the big deal if the company that's going to pay him $8 million throws him on an airplane to go visit his new school or see his new school again? You laid it out perfectly. It's just really kind of preposterous when you think about it. It's the NCAA. It's it's almost like they, they feel that they, they have to lay out some sort of punishment or else everyone's going to realize, oh, the NCAA is actually useless. Actually useless, but from from my perspective, Mason, and really we hear from a lot of Alabama fans in our in our social medias, and we, we encourage you to do that at M.A. Woods underscore at Joe Gaither 6 on all your social media machines. But you see a lot of celebration, a lot of ha-ha Tennessee, you're getting it again. I caution, my, my, my big thought and my big worry is, what Alabama coach drove player X to a to a Yay Alabama meeting? I'm sorry, like it just is what like I, I'm not sitting here to say I, I don't know that Alabama operates like. Come on, do we even want to call that dirty? Do you want to call that dirty? <laughs> the, 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 hey, Yay Alabama had a meeting with the recruit. Like we had three recruits on this uh, in town this past weekend for official visits. Steve and Buamua from uh, from Canada. You had uh, you had Rico Scott from Pennsylvania and Amari Jefferson. And breaking news, I think I'm going to have Amari Jefferson join me tomorrow to talk about that visit. But you have those three guys. What are the chances that everything went exactly right on the visit this past weekend? I would say hi, but you got to throw a little room for doubt. And if that's all it takes, driving a player to a meeting to get bleeped over, uh, I'm a worried. I'm a little worried about the state of what the NCAA is doing and and who that how they're picking and choosing and what it's going to mean for not only college football but college athletics as a whole. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're totally right. I think this paints you know a bit of a uh, worrying photo of the future for college football here because you know obviously. The last three now what now almost three years over three years have been right at three years for nil right at three years so you know this is uncharted territory obviously we all know this and the NCAA knows this as well and uh, you know again it it really just kind of seems like they're throwing these punishments out willy nilly to people when they really don't have a lot of basis for many of them because like you you know like we have laid out it is it is something as simple as a coach driving someone to a meeting. 
I, you know, really think there's bigger fish to fry in this in this whole NIL space. You know, I, a lot of a lot of big numbers get reported about these kids. I'm not really sure where the evidence is coming from to support them, but I I, I would venture a guess to say that if those numbers are getting reported, some of them might not be necessarily the most uh, come by the most appropriately. We'll say. Well, one guy who is benefiting off NIL, and he just transferred out of Alabama to Ohio State. We've had him on the show before, but now Mr. Julian Sayan is enrolled in uh, enrolled in Columbus. I don't know if you saw this, Mason, but Julian Sayan announced his kind of first NIL deal or a first deal that went on his social medias today. He is uh, partnering with Panini America for his exclusive Ooh. autographed trading cards. Oh, yeah. uh, so whatever money you he thought he got to go to o- Ohio State, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. Great. It's going to be great to have him on a, on a trading card and all, awesome for him to make some money. But all of this stuff is just so convoluted. you got the NCAA – going after Florida State and now going after Tennessee because they're trying to – they're really trying to nip in the bud the pay-for-play. It's the we're taking Amarius Mims to a recruit to an NIL visit because he's a high-value recruit. It's a we're going outside of the realm of norm for Nico Amalava because he is a high-value recruit. And so both of those aspects kind of fall under the pay-for-play – part of NIL that people don't like. People are, oh, you shouldn't be paying for, you should pay them for what they have done on the field already. Do you agree? Like that, 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 that creates an aspect of NIL that I think many people fall on one side or the other. Is NIL pay for play? Is it straight up for sponsorships like our man Julian Sand and Panini America? Or is it a mixture of both? Or what, what is NIL, Mason? Well, I mean, I think at the current rate and, you know, with the way it has been, it's it's essentially been a, a glorified scheme of pay for play. You know, I don't think that's insane to say, given what we have seen players who have not even stepped on the field signing deals and things of, the, of that nature. But uh, I don't have an issue with that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's I think it's nothing you know short of naive to think that college football has been anything but a professional sport in any sense for the last 20 years probably I think I think the moment you saw 18 to 23 year old kids laying their bodies on the line on ESPN on Saturday we had gotten well past amateurism so I I think this is something that has been in the works for a long time I think uh, you know this is this seems like the next logical step Uh, you know this is the NFL light this is not college football anymore it's not college football. It hasn't been my entire lifetime, really. I have never it's seen not... college football. Right, right. Uh, like, you want college athletics, go watch track and field, go watch swimming and diving. I mean, and, and those athletes are working very, very hard, but those are the more amateur athletes. Um but I think the NCAA is wrong here because I, I think the NCAA is wrong going after these programs, even though Florida State and Tennessee, you're, you know, Alabama's rival or whatever. I think you're wrong because people want to say it's pay for play and you want to say, oh, we're giving, you know, X recruit X thousands of dollars to sign. But you got to ask yourself if these players, if these high schoolers weren't valuable, why is anybody going after them? Why are, do they have five stars next to their name? Why do they have four stars next to their name? Why do we say, oh, I want Billy over Johnny because Billy looks a lot more talented than Johnny does? That's already name, image, and likeness that Billy has earned for himself. The reason that Nico Ayamaleva is so valuable as a high school senior is because he has been identified as a special high school prospect. And while he didn't earn that name, image, and likeness wearing the Tennessee T, he is a valuable commodity. And so like, while people say, oh, that's not true name, image, and likeness, that's not real – if I were to be recruited by the University of Alabama, that obviously gives me some sort of cachet, some sort of uh, some sort of notoriety. And th- thus, if I say, okay, you're recruiting me, I'm a four-star recruit, I might end up with, you know, a couple thousand yards receiving or whatever, you're going to need to pay me some money. Like, I've already built that name, image, and likeness for myself. It may not be at the stage where you're at, but you've already built that name, image, and likeness. And so for the NCAA – I just feel like they're chasing their tail here, and I just feel like it's a whole big 
scheme of, oh, crap, we let the wild, wild west happen, and now we're trying to go after a couple of the bad guys, bad guys, when really this is how everyone's operating. Yeah, I think I think I don't think you're wrong. I think, uh, you know, the NCAA is kind of embarrassed with uh, the way that they let the floodgates open and it almost backfired on them where everyone said, you know, if this is what you really want. We will go do it. And they went and did it. This is how every major college football program in the nation is operating. And even a lot of the ones that are not the quote unquote major college football programs. It's just, you know, it's it's, it's the way of the world now. Absolutely. All right. So we'll have to keep paying attention to what happens with Tennessee and what happens with Nico Amaleva. And if, you know, Hypo gets in trouble, uh, their chancellor basically dropped a huge letter that we outlined in yesterday's program, basically giving a middle finger to the NCAA and saying, come get us, essentially. Do you like what that move? Make of, I, I honestly, I did. I liked it a lot. Uh, you know, that's, that's the man obviously knows that, you know, he didn't fear the NCAA. So we can say that. I don't know. You know, if Tennessee did anything wrong or not, but they clearly do not fear the NCAA. Yeah, Donda Plowman is that was their chancellor, and she basically said, uh, y'all told us last year that we were doing such a good job being transparent, and now we've lost all our control? Well, what the deal? And basically she said that the NCAA – uh, it was a broken system. I think it's the right move. I, I said it yesterday. I think it's the Will Wade move. Basically, NCAA, you come into LSU and you prove all these allegations. I think you need to treat the NCAA like they are a powerless program, like they are a powerless entity. And if everyone treats them that way, eh, then maybe they will be powerless. I mean, when is the NCAA going to ban any school from the college football playoff this year? No, they didn't ban it. Michigan, they don't have jurisdiction over the college football playoff. Why do we care about what they say about any school and any punishment? Yeah, I mean that's a yeah, that's exactly that's exactly correct. The the NCAA is a is a shell of what it once was as far as the the power it held over the college football world. And, you know, we, we see it year in, year out. Teams and, or programs like Tennessee are just blatantly, openly just kind of saying, this is <laughs> – oh, I see we have some commenters. Um, yeah, uh, uh, one Melissa Woods is agreeing with you. Uh, it seems like she's agreed with you a lot, very much. That uh, tends to happen, you know. People with the same last name I have found tend to agree with each other frequently. <laughs> what do you think last night of Tennessee losing? Because we did a little SEC midweek basketball yesterday, kind of talking about the slates, and we talked about the Tuesday slate, South Carolina, Tennessee, then you had the Egg Bowl, and I basically glossed over, sort of, yeah, I glossed over the South Carolina game because I thought Tennessee was going to bounce back from their bad performance against Vanderbilt, and I thought South Carolina, maybe some of their air, they used all the, all, all they could against Kentucky, but two top ten wins for, for South Carolina, and now Alabama has a pretty nice little advantage over the, in, in the SEC yeah. standings. The uh, the Gamecocks are feisty, you know. I, I did not ex- I'm you know like you didn't really necessarily expect to see that. Uh, obviously, Dalton Connect was uh, fun to watch. That's that's mostly why I had tuned in. Honestly, was to, to to see him. But it was it was it was it was a pleasant surprise to see South Carolina jump out and uh, pull that off like they did because um, they have they have like you said they've they've kind of been hot and it seemed like maybe it would start to die down eventually but it's just not happening so uh south carolina they're definitely going to be probably a tough outcome going to come the sec tournament yeah so how fortunate is alabama uh to get south carolina what third second second game of the sec season beating them 74 to 47 kind of before they have hit their stride a little bit no more south carolina on your schedule you held lamont Parrish's team to 47 points basically you went this in the second half 15 minutes or so without South Carolina scoring to get that win now and to see South Carolina taking down Kentucky, taking down Tennessee, uh, kind of, you know, that's massive. I think that's huge for the, for the tides resume. It's huge for the tournament resume. It's huge for everything. You know, I think, uh, being able to beat a team before they can find their stride is, is kind of what you, it's exactly what you want to do, you know? All right, so put me in your shoes last Saturday, not Saturday three days, even five days ago against LSU, but 12 days ago against Tennessee. I was pulling my hair out for obvious reasons, the Tennessee connection, uh, but you spend seven days go by, you beat Auburn, you beat 
you, you beat LSU, you see Kentucky lose, you see Tennessee lose, you see Auburn lose again. So all of your immediate rivals all falling down around you. Just a wild two weeks in SEC basketball from an Alabama perspective. Yeah, I think the the immediate panic button that I kind of pressed after watching Tennessee obliterate us or obliterate Alabama was uh, uh, it's it's basically been relieved at this point. You know, I think you know, I'm not gonna. I don't think Alabama can necessarily kick their feet up as if they they've won everything, but they've got a pretty you know they're sitting comfortably atop the, the SEC and can kind of coast from here on out. Alabama taking on Georgia today at 5.30, two hours from now in Stegman Coliseum. And our man, Blake Byler, has driven over from Tuscaloosa to Athens. You can follow him at Blake Byler 45 underscore – at Blake Byler 45, excuse me. Uh, he he has our cover today on BamaCentral.com. And the cover centers around Nate Oates and his technical fouls. Alabama 17-4 and four in games where Nate Oates has, uh, has procured a technical foul – basically saying, oh, maybe it's not a bad thing for Alabama. All right, you got everything going your way. This would be the perfect time. Oh, the perfect time to lose a game against the 78th-ranked team in Ken Palm in Athens, four and two, uh, the 4-2 and two Bulldogs. Look, let me just take the hat off, the professional hat off. I will lose my dadgum mind if Alabama loses this game. I will not be a pleasant person for the rest of the week. For the rest yeah, of certainly, the week. this has trap, you know, kind of written all over it. I think you're exactly Ooh, right. Trap. Yeah, Adam Blackbar. You know, especially given given watching your rivals, you know, Tennessee, Auburn, both go down in the fashion they have. It's been a good week, not only for them for Alabama themselves on the court, but for their rivals off the court. It's been a good week for Alabama. So it's. <laughs> It does set up well for a for a bit of a you know overlook the Georgia Bulldogs going to Stegman and kind of just lay an egg, but you know I, I, this team has shown flashes of of maybe being a bit different. I think they they've got a bit of a you know a, a bit of juice behind them sometimes, and maybe you know going into tonight they can kind of keep it up because um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a tough spot. <laughs> I got my Georgia buddies texting me already and there's no reason there's no way there's no reason for Alabama to go into Stegman Coliseum and lose Alabama six and a half point favorite but road wins in the SEC road games in the SEC that is it's it's not easy it's not easy to win on the road I think uh, as of last week uh, home teams were 31 and 10 across the 41 SEC games this year that stat is courtesy of one Wimp Sanderson from inside the locker room what do you think of, of Grant Nelson, what he's done this year? I know underwhelmed, under, underwhelmed, but really the second half of that Auburn game, and, and maybe this is my fan glasses, my gunt glasses on really thick. I'm hopeful, I'm expecting, I think, that the second half of that Auburn game is going to spur Grant Nelson into a real role on this team and, and, and a real contribute, make him a real contributing factor again. Yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, it seemed like he started to carve out a rhythm a bit more in the second half of that game. He kind of found himself a little bit because, you know, like you said, I don't think it's it's necessarily crazy to say he's been a little underwhelming, especially at home this year. Uh, he struggled to shoot the ball. He's He's been fine down low. I think he, you know, he rebounds well. I think he's a, a solid presence in the paint defensively, but he has definitely struggled to shoot the ball, especially in the first half of that Auburn game, put up some, I mean, you know, Outright embarrassing shots. They were just ugly. Uh, but I do think he found his rhythm a little bit. I, I don't remember who exactly it was that I saw. I want to maybe Ryland Griffin. I saw saw a quote from one of them talking about you know kind of getting with him during during halftime there and kind of just talking to him and helping him get his confidence back up. And I think that's huge. I think uh, you know he went out and he had a solid performance in the second half. And I I don't think that he necessarily is going to turn into what some Alabama fans may have thought he was going to be this season, the you know, the seven foot monster on the wing that's going to dominate every game. But I think he maybe has carved out his niche on the team as a, you know, he's got a solid role. He kind of knows what he's going to do in there. And moving forward, maybe we see him expand that role a bit. Well, what's the ceiling for this Alabama team? We had that conversation a week or so ago where after they had lost to Tennessee, I was basically kicking the bucket. Oh, you're going to be on the tournament, but you'll be lucky to win a game. 
At this point, everything is back on the table with SEC regular season title, make a run in Nashville, make a decent run in the big dance. What's your feel for this team? I mean, the inside presence, not necessarily – I mean, Janai Broom, 25 points last week. Yeah. You're getting beat up on the inside, but when you're making threes, you might be one of the, might be one of the toughest teams in the country to beat. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know – this team shooting will take them as far as they can go. Uh, you know, I think a on a on a cold night shooting against a team that's strong in the middle, where you know Alabama's probably going to struggle if they, you know, depending on who they come across with their tournament bid. That's, you know, I think a lot. I think a lot weighs on who they're going to who the matchups are going to be when they get to the tournament. You know, I, I feel the SEC tournament obviously is going to be tough, but like you said, SEC turn or SEC tournament title is definitely on the line. SEC regular season title is clearly on the line. They're sitting comfortably at the top, but uh, moving into the NCAA tournament, I think it's going to be very matchup reliant. Uh, you know, getting, getting a team that is going to bang down low. It's, it's not really going to be a matchup that Alabama wants, especially if they get a cold day shooting, but it's 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 honestly tough to predict the ceiling for this team. I have a hard, you know, night in, night out. I kind of, I you know, you go back to that Auburn game. It felt like, oh, this team can, they can do it. This is one of the best teams in the country if they play right. But you think about that Tennessee game, and like you said, it was all doom and gloom. This team isn't going to do anything the rest of the year. Might as well kick the bucket, you know, kick the towel in now. So it's 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 hard to say one way or the other. I think it's just going to weigh a lot on who they get matched up with in the tournament. Well, have you had fun watching this team? Because I have. This is. This a, I think it's a fun been, team. Been I think like Mark Spears it. is very fun to watch, specifically. Oh, speaking of Mark, left off the Bob Cousy Award, left off the Joe, Jerry West Award. Is kind of not been getting a whole. Don't give me no respect. No respect uh, for yeah. Mark. Is it because? And this is what I said yesterday. And disagree, please. Don't always agree with me. But 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 yesterday on the show. I acknowledge the being left off these these lists and leading the SEC in scoring what 20 and a half points per game. He's making what 48, 47% from three. He's he's killing it. He's playing great. But no one's giving him any, any respect. And I think this is the most caveman answer. But I think it's because he doesn't look like a superstar. He doesn't carry himself like a superstar. He's diminutive at six foot one-ish. Yeah. Uh he's He's got a very nice-looking face. He's a nice young man. He, he He's soft-spoken. Every time that we've had him in the media, he's exuded kindness, but confidence, quiet, quiet. He doesn't carry himself with the, you know, who would it be? He doesn't carry himself with the Jermaine Burton swag at all, obviously different sports, but he doesn't carry himself with the bleep you. I'm about to just yeah. – you watch me hit these threes. No, everything he does is – Effortless, which uh, might speak to his greatness, but I think often hurts his perception. No, um, you know, I don't want to just continue to agree with you, but I do kind of think you're right here. I think, uh, you know, the way that he carries himself and being just overall a smaller player. Is it because he's, kinda, from, he's a small ball boy from, from Ohio? He's a transferee? It might be, you know, I think uh, he's he's probably humbled a bit being a transfer. You know, that's I'm sure that's a bit of a humbling experience leaving somewhere, given, you know, he had a bit of an upgrade growing from Ohio to Alabama, but I'm sure it's still a bit of an odd experience. But I think, um, you know, it, it goes back a lot to just kind of the way he carries himself on the court. He is not that, you know, animated while he plays. He's not he's not really in anybody's face kind of he's not you know he's not throwing balls back at people after he shoots and things not like Javon that. Really you know, he doesn't really have that streak to him. But I do think uh he is quietly one of the better players in the SEC in the country. However, you know, it's it's also kind of tough to project him to the NBA like some of the other top scorers in the country might, you know. He he doesn't really have that NBA body type at standing at only six one. You know he's kind of a smaller guard. It's that's really not the way the the league has been going these days. It's a lot more positionless basketball. Just get somebody really tall and long who can who's a freak athlete and just do whatever. So I think a lot of those things are why he uh, he doesn't necessarily get the national attention he probably deserves with what he's doing on the court. Is it uh? Mark Sears or Dalton Connect, SEC Player of the Year for you? You know, uh, Mark Sears has been great. <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
I think, uh, you know, I do think, I don't know, that's hard. It really is. Because I, I think Sears, at, on average, you know, overall has probably been more solid. I think he's had, I think you can look to Sears' performances and there's probably less underwhelming games on the schedule for him or less underwhelming performances. But there's also less mind-boggling, oh, my God, how did this guy do this performances for Mark Sears. You know, you watch Dalton Connect, you never know. He could go drop 35 that night. Um, it's it's going to be a close race. I think it's definitely going to come down to the wire. I am interested to see kind of if Tennessee can write this skid and get back on track. You know, maybe we got hey, their life doesn't get any easier. You see who they're playing Saturday? Who they got this Saturday? They are on the road in Rupp Arena, <laughs> Big Blue Nation. See, that's you know, if Tennessee can get can get back, maybe you know, who knows? Maybe Dalton Connect has a big game against the Tiger or against the Wildcats on the on Saturday, but. Oh man, that's really hard to call. I, I don't want to say one way or the other. I, I I will say I have Dalton Connect has made me tune into more Tennessee games than I expected to tune into this year. Well, things are really breaking very nicely for Alabama as far as the schedule goes. If Alabama can avoid the trap game this evening over Segment Coliseum, they're bringing Mississippi State into a Coleman Coliseum on Saturday, and obviously it was a tough game going to Mississippi State. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and winning on the road, one of the few teams that have done that. State losing last night to Ole Miss on the road in the Egg Bowl. But things are flowing nicely. You beat Georgia today. You have a good performance and hopefully, likely, probably beat Mississippi State. You see Tennessee and Kentucky beat themselves up. And you could be sitting with a multiple game lead by the end of Saturday night if you handle your business. And if you have told me that two weeks ago after getting drummed by Tennessee, I'd have said, I want the drugs that you're on. Yeah, it, um, you know, it really has kind of just been a perfect storm for Alabama the last two weeks since that tough loss against Tennessee. Everything's kind of going the tides away right now. And um, obviously there's a, you got to avoid that trap game today. But moving forward after that, Things are looking pretty good for the Tide. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's head down to L.A., a little lower Alabama real quick. And we're, You're watching us on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central, watching us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. We're hanging out with our friend Mason Woods. He writes for BamaCentral.com. He writes for MizzouCentral.com and for Cowbell Corner. So make sure you follow him at M.A. Woods underscore. But in lower Alabama, the Senior Bowl is going on. Senior Bowl week, Kalen DeBoer was meeting with the media uh, about an hour or so ago. We, we, we listened to that before the show. You can read about his comments. You can read about his comments right there at BamaCentral.com. The biggest thing to me is the fact that the, the crazy calendar that Coach DeBoer has kept over the last three and a half, four weeks. Look, he was hired – what? He's been on the job two and a half, three weeks now at this point because he was introduced uh, on a Saturday. So it's been almost three weeks now. And I don't know if he spent the night in Tuscaloosa yet. Basically, was introduced on a Saturday, has been on the road recruiting his tail off. You see him all over social media at this school in Mobile, at that school in Mississippi, at this school in, in, in Georgia, all over the place, and his staff as well. The biggest thing that stood out to me, Mason, was, oh, we can't wait to get back to Tuscaloosa next week after National Signing Day and get implementing, get our system started, get these guys learning our system. Uh, what have you thought of the first couple of weeks? Obviously, we won't know until you know these recruits start to pan out. But what have you thought over the first couple of weeks on the job for a coach DeBoer? And really, from a football standpoint, you and I are kind of the same football junkies. How excited are you to learn or observe or get to know a new offensive and defensive system at the University of Alabama? Um, first off, very excited to just see something new on the field for Alabama, uh, specifically offensively. Obviously, you know, DeBoer, his offense last year at Washington was uh, just one of the most entertaining things to watch get week in, week out. You know, Michael Penix Jr. was putting up – Video game numbers seemed like every weekend Romo Dunze was absolutely just dominating any defensive back you put against him. But um, I think, you know, going back to what DeBoer has done in the first few weeks he's been here, I think he's done basically everything I would have wanted him to do. I think, uh, you know, 
pushing the implementation of your actual systems back to the back burner a little bit and focusing on these recruiting relationships first is a great way to start because that is the baseline of any good team, any good program. That's exactly what Nick Saban did when he got to Alabama in 2007. He went right after the best the recruits. He knew exactly who he wanted, and he went out and got them. So I think, uh, you know, taking the first few weeks to to just make sure that you – you not not only contact the guys that have committed to Alabama that you want to keep, but go out of your way to to get the guys that might be on the fence and try to you know let them know, hey, I'm still here. Hey, this is what we want. Hey, we want you here. I, I think that's a perfect way to start the the Kalen DeBoer era at Alabama, and I'm a uh, I'm very excited to see what happens. You know, uh, it was it's. Man, I, I don't know. It's, it was an intriguing move to see some of the uh, the players transfer that did transfer, given the the new systems that are going to be implemented. But regardless, I'm excited to see the new guys who step in and take those places because I think they're going to thrive. All right, so there's only three players at the Senior Bowl uh, from the University of Alabama. Will Riker, Justin Boigby, and Chris Braswell. So, Mason Woods, let's play a game. Which – of the three players, is this week most valuable, most important for? Who can make the most money off this week? And before you answer, let's let's put this into, into context here. Will Reichert, only three kickers were drafted last year in the NFL draft. Uh, and Will, so Will Reichert might be an undrafted free agent. He's going to get a camp look at the very least. That's where he's kind of starting. But a strong week in Mobile could see him – become a draft pick and get an actual contract that's worth three years with the fourth year option. Yeah. It's probably going to be a fourth or fifth or sixth round draft pick. So not as valuable, but he stands to make a lot of money with a good week. All right. Or Justin Boigby right now he's in the fourth, fifth, sixth round draft pick range, which is really good money and a great contract. But if he has a good week, you go from that fourth, fifth, sixth round to, oh my gosh, are you a third round draft pick? Are you have you gone from day three to a day pit, day two pick? Is that jump more valuable than the Will Riker jump? Or lastly, Chris Braswell, who is selected right now and projected right now as a mid-second round pick in the 40s for uh, before you know 40 to 50 in that range. If Chris Braswell has himself a very strong week and becomes the fifth Alabama first-round draft pick in this year's class, which jump is most valuable for the three guys? Who has the most to gain this week? I think, you know, as much as I love Will Reichard, I'm, I'm going to probably go ahead and rule him out, unfortunately, right off the bat. Because as good of a week as he wants to have down there in Mobile, I'm pretty sure just about anyone that has any interest in Will Reichard already knows exactly what they're getting in him. I don't really know how much. I think he can honestly only hurt himself by going out there, so I probably wouldn't have even gone out there anyway if I was him. But, you know, I, go do your thing, Will. Happy for you. Go go out there and, you know, maybe you do become a draft pick and that would be great. But I think I think the, I think the real conversation is between a Boigby and Chris Braswell. And – you know, it's easy to just kind of say right off the bat that that jump from second or third round to a first round pick is going to be the the most valuable one. But I think that, you know, you look at a Boigby, and I really think that players specifically, you know, uh, on the interior like that, the defensive linemen, the, the, the trenches guys at the senior bowl have a great opportunity to move up in the draft. It seems like we hear about it every year. There's there's risers from the senior bowl, whether it be offensive or defensive linemen. It seems like every year there's a few of them. And, you know, uh, getting yourself out of that conversation of, all right, that guy's a day three pick into the – you could land in the second round, you could land in the end of the third. I think – I don't know. I just think that's more valuable because the 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 range there of being a you know probably high second round pick to a low third round you know who knows maybe you sneak into the first round you know I think it's very very unlikely for him but I think that jump of going from a fifth sixth maybe seventh round pick to a second third fourth round pick is probably uh, that I think that's a bit more valuable. Overall. All right, so you're a Tennessee Titans fan. Yes. And I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Tough. Plus, Not as Aaron tough as that, though. 
but which of these three players would you like most on your at, at the right value? Obviously, you, we're not yes. you're not going out and drafting them in the first round. You know, let's just say you get them at the correct value. I'll just say I want a Boigby for my Chicago Bears. I think a Boigby put the, the film that he put out this year playing both the run and the pass, the way that he, I mean he was in every single frame. He played like a man who had football taken away from him for an entire for, for a year, as he did the previous year with a neck injury. I think a Boigby is going to offer a team's underrated versatility up front. Which one of these guys uh, would you like to see in the two-tone blue? Give me Will Record. (laughs) Nick Folk was great last year, but the man, he's not going to be around much longer. He's already ancient. Go ahead and just give me that. Give me a little record. You know, I I, I miss the days of, of knowing exactly who the Titans kicker was going to be before going into every season. It's been, uh, I'm trying to think, Ryan Suckup left in like 2018, 2017. So it's, it's been a minute. So, yeah, go ahead and just, Will Riker, just come on down, get you the two-tone blue. You know, I've, I've heard, get you, get you a nice little Oilers throwback. I think he would wear it nicely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'll take. I'll take some consistency in the kicking game. He Can't might not hit, hit the long ones, but he's going to be automatic from forty-five and in. Well, that's what he was showing yesterday. The long ones. Yesterday was bombing sixties down in Mobile, and that's his big concern: is do you have the leg strength to kick uh, in the NFL to kick in New England and the Buffaloes and these uh, terrible weather locations? Uh, we'll see about that. He can come on down to Tennessee. We don't really have to play up there too much, so. Mason, let's talk about a little scandal before we get out of here. Let's talk about some weirdness down on the plains. Weird weirdness down on the plains. Uh, let me make sure I have all my facts right. So I'm, uh, I'm doing a little, a little filibustering, a little digging as I'm uh, making sure where my, where was I at? Hold on. Here we go. Auburn tennis team. That's where we're headed ne- ne- next. Let's see where is my. I thought I hit like on that tweet. Maybe I didn't. Uh, Auburn tennis. Because I want to get make sure I get our names right. I don't want to paint any wrong pictures about anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Auburn Tennis is getting rid of Coach Caroline Lilly. Effective immediately. Uh, and, and this is from multiple outlets. And, of course, look, we're not sitting here talking about tennis each and every day on the on the Joe Gaither show on Bama Central. We know those athletes do uh, work very, very hard. Look, I am a, always an awful tennis player. Uh, but, okay, here's the deal, and here's some scandal, and I just want to get everybody's kind of reaction. You can react at Joe Gaither 6 on any social media platform of your choosing. John Cohen, Tuscaloosa native, Tuscaloosa Academy graduate. John Cohen is the Auburn athletic director. He announced on Sunday that Auburn is parting ways with women's tennis coach Caroline Lilly. Uh, Lilly is coaching the 14th ranked Auburn Tigers. Obviously, we are right in the middle of the uh, of the tennis season, and it seems like uh, it seems like Coach Lilly was fired or an inappropriate relationship with one of her players. What in the world is going on at Auburn, and why is this the second coach-player relationship? And when was that softball coach? Four years ago? Five years ago? You remember Auburn had a softball coach who his son was an assistant, and his son was involved with a player as well. Uh, So this is the second time in a short span of years that Auburn has dealt with a player-coach relationship. What? What are you doing? What are you like? What are you doing, Mason Woods? Oh man, that's a touchy subject. That's boy. Uh, I, what are you doing? Because uh, you know, there's really a handful of things that it is like. Hey, as a you know leader of athletes leader of people in general you absolutely do not do these things and that is right there at the top of the list it's it's like uh, how can you not you know let's just control ourselves here let's be professionals let's 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 act like professionals it's just insane for this to even be something that happened and it it happens you know auburn is not the only people that are if this is true Auburn is not the only program this has happened to. It's happened all across the country at every level of sports, at every level of, you know, uh, corporate America. It, like it happens all the it happens all over the place. It's just insane 
the the uh, I cannot fathom the the boss, coach, teacher, whatever relationship to, you know, peer. Uh, it's just insane. Uh, control yourselves. Uh, it's just it's very simple. Keep it in your pants, folks. I know that you are working very closely, like my friend Wendell Hare commented, keeping things in close proximity. I know you're you're working very closely with these athletes. And look, let's not be idiots. A lot of these athletes are attractive. You can look up the University of Alabama's campus, male and female, attractive people. Uh, they are, you know, God's 1%. Essentially. They're, they're good-looking good people. Uh, but come on. What are we doing here? You are not, you're throwing away. Here, here's the thing that blows my mind is, okay, I know attraction, you know, you can't, sometimes you, you have a hard time controlling who you're attracted to. I get that. But you're throwing away a career that you have built for, you know, it might be love and it might turn into a lifelong relationship. Certainly might, but you're literally risking your the entirety of everything that you've built on. Well, maybe this young person. It's weird. I mean, yeah, look, I don't, I don't, it, I don't, I don't understand it. There, there's entire, you know, I don't know. It, it is like you said. It's risking everything you have worked. You know. For a lot of the, for if it is a coach, a lot of them, you know, it's not like a, a coaching job is just handed to people. They they have worked very hard. They have they have cut their teeth doing, you know, coaching at various levels to get up to this point. I, I cannot fathom why you would just say for for a short little something with a you know an attractive person, let's throw away my entire career so I can never get hired again and I have to completely pivot what I want to do. She was in her fifth year. As Auburn's, uh, yeah, fifth year as, as Auburn's head coach, named head coach in 2019. If you go to auburntigers.com, she her page is currently pulling up a 404. She is uh, not found. Uh, yeah, Wendell Hare asks, shouldn't risk your career for someone who hasn't even began to enter the real world? Exactly. Wendell's exactly right. I mean, Grant, these college athletes, they are adults past 18, but they're not. They're, they're not making real checks. They're not making decisions. Um, I, I don't think they're always making decisions with long-term implications. Sometimes, hey, it's just college. Hey, it's just fun. And, and granted, that doesn't make it right at all. But golly, the, the whole thing just blows my mind as far as we're we're covering the SEC. This is the premier athletic conference in in the country. Like the, your next step from college tennis coach is what Olympic level tennis coach? I I don't really understand. Know what the next step is? You have reached the pinnacle. She uh, it says took the took Auburn to uh took took Auburn to the Sweet Sixteen the last two seasons. So your program is on the rise. Did you think you weren't going to get caught? Like. Because you just said this is this is the the top of the top when it you know outside of the Olympics or say you know just like this is this is right up near the top of tennis. Any every bit of attention that could be on tennis is gonna be here. Why? Like, do you think you're not gonna get? It's insane. There's so much, so many eyes surrounding everything that you do. If you're a coach of a, any sort of college program, to think that you are you know immune from any bit of. Uh, peeping eyes or prying eyes is just absolutely insane. I think Wendell Hare makes a good point in combination with what you just said. Wendell Hare comments, again, sounds to me like someone else on the team was jealous because they didn't get the same treatment. You just said, do you think no one's going to notice? Like, look, we have been in offices and businesses where coworkers are sleeping with one another or are dating or, you know, whatever. That, that happens and that's happened in many places. But the funny thing that always happens in those situations is you ask Billy and Billy, you go, Hey Billy, uh, how are things with you and Sally? And, and Billy goes, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you, what are you talking about? Men, Sally, nothing, nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. Like everybody knows you guys are dating. Everybody knows if you're not dating, everybody knows that you're being intimate, that you got something going on here, that you are more than just coworkers. Like it's usually obvious to see. And it's so funny. People are like, no, I don't, I don't have a crush. And be like, oh, Mason, I know who you like. I know you like, you know, Susie. And it's like, oh, I don't have a crush on Susie. Why do you think that? Like everyone knows it. And so, like, 
in, in close proximity, Wendell hits it. Someone had to let it out. Who snitched? Someone had to let some, someone on the team had to say either special treatments happening or the coach is not doing their job or maybe playing time decisions are being some, some, some sort like you risk so many ripple effects when you're leading a team, you know, you kind of have to be above reproach because if I bench you because you're not playing well, well, I need to be above your, you know, well, you're not doing your job either. Like it's just so crazy. And Wendell well, sums it up: it's middle school drama in the adult world. Yeah, uh, you know that's that's a pretty good way to put it. You know, when when, but I don't know when you're in this situation. You know, this information is is newsworthy. You know, it's not. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. You know, it's different. It, obviously, it is just it, it's kind of just gossip when you boil it down, but. It's not like you're just two regular people who met each other. You are a, a coach and a an athlete, a student at a university. It's oh, it's just it's a it's a if this is true, if this is all you know, obviously this is all rumor mill. This is a legend. You know, we don't know if any of this is true or not. But boy, it is a it's an unfortunate story. It's an unfortunate look for Auburn. It's a it's a bad look for the family. Just one more note to close this loop. I didn't plan this, Mason, but the SEC, as we are recording, put out its tennis players of the week. <laughs> and uh, Auburn sophomore DJ Bennett is the female, is the women's player of the week, along with uh, along with Georgia, Georgia freshman. I I'm not going to pronounce her name. She's from Turkey. Uh, so I'm not – that is a name I don't know. But just interesting, DJ Bennett named SEC's uh, Tennis Player of the Week. Oh, things are going on down there in West Alabama. Uh, East Alabama, excuse me, West Georgia. What's uh, What else on your mind, Mason? What else on your mind? We're right at 50 minutes. We need to kind of – Hit a stop sign here pretty soon. Anything I'm missing or left off the table, or any juicy gossip in your your end of the world? I'll say I uh, I did I did want to ask you your reaction. I saw a clip, and I guess it was from uh, let's see, not this past weekend, but the weekend before when Ryan Williams was on campus, and uh, it was it was someone asking him, you know, about playing for Coach DeBoer and how it felt, you know, to know he was going to be suiting up for, and he was. He said something, and it was, you know, I I'm, I couldn't be more excited to play for any other coach except Coach Saban. And I it made me think, because, sure, that's a funny thing to say. Who's not going to say that? Coach, you know, with Coach Saban still being close in proximity to the program, obviously, who wouldn't want to play for him if you're a football player? But it made me wonder, you know, how long is that going to be happening? How long are we going to be saying these kinds of things about Coach Saban? Or, you know, how long is it going to be before it's, Oh no! I want to play for Coach DeBoer, not just well. I want to go be close to Saban. That's an interesting point. I think. I mean, as long as Coach has an office in Bryant Denny Stadium. Now, I think I've been told that he's been down in Florida the whole month golfing. So it's not like he's been in Coach DeBoer's business. I I, I think that that's going to happen. Uh, at least through the 25 class, because the 25 class all made relationships with with the previous regime. It's probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen for three, four, five years. At least that we're going to. Oh well, I want to go play for the program that Coach Saban built. Coach DeBoer's been doing good, but this is Coach Saban's. Do you think that that's going to aggravate a Coach that's, DeBoer? That's you know that's what I wonder because look, I, I think. Coach DeBoer, has, he's given me no reason to think that he's anything but humble. You know, he's had great press conferences up to this point. His the the introductory press conference, I thought he he, he every, I liked everything he said. I was a, you know I was very impressed by his speech and everything. But surely that would weigh on you. I mean, you took this job. Obviously, he knows the situation he's come into. He knows exactly who he's following up. He's not a stupid person. But, man, you would think if you heard that from all of these kids that now you are the one talking to day in, day out. You're going out of your way to fly across the country to see him in high school for them to barely give you the time of the day half the time. You know, they'd probably get a little annoying after a while. So I do wonder if maybe that's going to wear on him or, you know, if he just kind of is going to be able to 
understand that that's just par for the course when you follow up Coach Saban. Makes me think of something that happens in uh, one of the fantasy football leagues that I'm in. We had a player, oh, we had an owner uh, leave his team, and his team was taken over by another team. And now, anytime that 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 team wins, we give credit to the original owner. We say, "Oh, good job winning with 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 Billy's team." And the and the secondary owner gets angry. No, it's my team. I did all these moves this year. I made these trades. I added and dropped these players. Oh well, you wouldn't have done it if it wasn't Billy's team. And so it just kind of is the same situation though, and you know, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, Coach obviously. Ford, great you know, job. I'm, great job winning with Saban's players. I, I think he that's that's for sure gonna be what any you know any rivals to Alabama say. The moment Alabama starts winning, it's gonna be, well, he's only doing it with Saban's player, you know. That's that's all that Alabama Fed said when Les Miles won a national championship. Well, he just did it with Saban's players. He did just do it with Saban's players. But the point stands. That's all they said. So, you know, he's going to hear that. Uh, it's inevitable. He is going to hear that. Do you not get more ownership of the situation now that the transfer portal is so prevalent? You can basically, you know, it wasn't his intention to have 27 guys ship off and to bring in a bunch of new players, but it's kind of happened to happen. And yeah. if next year's team, he's going to ship off probably another 15 to 20 players and shuffle in new guys. I think you know to the to the average um, you know casual football fan, no, that's not really going to mean a whole lot because they're not following the the workings of the transfer portal. They just see the crimson on the jersey and say, "Well, Coach Saban was there a year ago. That's the only reason they're good." But to to anyone that you know follows college football even a little bit, you know more than casually, they could probably see, okay, you know Alabama because the team is was essentially gutted, you know. It, they lost a lot of very crucial key contributors to last year's team. So I, I do think he is he is due a lot of credit for, you know, what they do, whether it's good or bad this season. Absolutely. So we will have to follow it and we'll be paying attention to Coach DeBoer as he returns to Tuscaloosa and we get a little national signing day action. I do expect to have Amari Jefferson join me tomorrow. He was in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he was in Tuscaloosa this past weekend for his official visit and it sounded like his first time meeting with uh, Coach DeBoer. Really looking forward to catching up with uh, Mr. Football from Tennessee. How about that? Alabama with Mr. Football from Alabama and Mr. Football from Tennessee. Both guys playing wide receiver. Both guys going to kill it in the Kalen DeVore system. Mason, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Make sure you guys go follow Mason Woods at Woods underscore on the X machine. Anywhere else you want him to uh, look you up, Mason, and make sure you read him at BamaCentral.com, at MizzouCentral.com, and at CowbellCorner.com. Yeah, uh, you know, you can just check me out on those three sites. Find me on Twitter for some, you know, semi-uninformed takes. But, hey, they're confident. <laughs> that is the header of my browser from Bama, from uh, from Barry Sanderson. Uh, often wrong, but never in doubt. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I like to operate. Got to credit the Sandersons for that. So we're going to get out of here for the day. It's been a fun Wednesday. We will hopefully catch up with Amari tomorrow. If we don't, we'll get him on in the very near future. We've been texting, and it sounds very positive so far. Uh, and we'll, you know, continue to cover the Senior Bowl. Nobody cares about the game on Saturday, but hopefully we will not be. Oh, man. If, if, if Alabama loses this game tonight against Georgia, look, if any of the listeners or viewers care about me, and if you don't, that's a-okay. That doesn't bother me. It's no problem. But if you do, if Alabama loses, send a welfare check because I uh, send a welfare check for my dog, not me, for the dog. Uh, I love Abby so, so much. Her health and wellness depends on Alabama winning tonight. Oh, no, I'm being, I'm exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Mason, let's get on out of here and we'll see everybody else tomorrow on the next edition of the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. Thanks for joining us on today's edition of The Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. Keep up with Joe on all his social media pages at JoeGaither6. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and be sure to read us daily at BamaCentral.com. <laughs>